The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings podcast network. The Buffalo Bills have secured a spot in the 2021 postseason with their win over the Atlanta Falcons and the loss by the Baltimore Ravens this past weekend. So that's step one. They can secure the AFC East Division Championship with a win over the lowly New York Jets this weekend in Week 18. Of course, the Jets almost knocked off the defending Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this past week. So nothing's easy in the NFL. And if the Buffalo Bills walk in and try to take it that way, they might end up surprised. But with all of the playoff permeations that are possible out there, we still don't know who the Bills are going to play in the playoffs, where the Bills are going to play in the playoffs, or when the Bills are going to play in the playoffs. Before we get to all of that, I wanted to remind you that you can send in your questions for our show here at 716-508-0405. You can text or call that line, and both of those messages will come to my inbox. You can email us, buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. Send us a tweet, rumlingsq&a, over on Twitter. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can send us Facebook and Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumlings account as well, and those will make their way to me. Please, 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 it makes the show so much better when we have lots of interaction uh, from the listeners. And there are a lot of you, and I wanted to thank you guys. Um, the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network had more than 2.5 million listens during the 2021 calendar year, and we're just super thankful for that. Make sure um, you're listening to all, or at least trying, all of the Buffalo Rumblings podcasts that are out there. There's tons of different styles, different voices, um, just different approaches from all of the different podcasters on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. So if you don't like one of us, you're bound to like one of the other ones. All right, let's get into my takeaways 
from this game against the Falcons before we get to your questions. Because I thought it was really interesting how the Bills were able to respond during this game. My first takeaway was how the rushing attack settled down the offense in the second half. The Bills really took it to the Falcons on their first third quarter drive that took the lead in the game. It was 10 runs and just one pass. Devin Singletary had a legit angry run to gain a chunk of yards. Josh Allen tucked it and ran several times, and then Singletary capped the drive off with a touchdown run. Something that I thought was interesting is after the last game against the New England Patriots, head coach Sean McDermott said Singletary's angry run at the beginning of the game really set the tone for the rest of the day and set the tone for the offense. And the same thing kind of happened at the beginning of the third quarter when Singletary had that run where he just lowered his shoulder and started knocking people over, angry runs. It really set the tone for the rest of the game because the Bills just kept running after that as well. On the next drive, Allen, for some reason, was still playing a little bit scattered. You know, he chucked... He chucked it downfield to Stephon Diggs in the end zone when Diggs was covered and the play was blown. And, like, it was just a really low percentage play, especially with Dawson Knox just open in the flats for, you know, a six or seven yard gain. Just take the yards, buddy. You know, the play's over. Diggs is running around in the in the end zone like it's, you know, eight, eight-year-olds playing, you know, in the backyard. And Allen just fired it down there. It's kind of like the uh, F it, Stephon's down there. I'll just chuck it up and see what happens. And um, I didn't really love that particular decision. Uh, But on the next play, Zach Moss picked up 13 yards for another rushing first down. Two straight runs, got another first down. And you started to sense that the Bills at least figured that out and kept going with the, the rushing attack. Ultimately, they scored a touchdown on a running play. To end the game, they ran on 14 straight plays. That counted. The, the pass to Stephon Diggs didn't count because of the offsetting penalties. So they ran the ball on 14 straight plays to end the game. 110 yards from Singletary in a career day for him, two touchdowns. 81 from Allen, who added two touchdowns as well. 39 from Moss and three from Isaiah McKenzie. The Bills finished with 233 yards on the ground, 44 carries, an average of 5.3 yards per rush. Allen passed the ball only six times in the second half, and that's what McDermott has been talking about since the offseason. When we need to run, we need to be able to do that. You know, we don't need to have a balanced attack where we're running and passing the same clip, but when we decide we need to run, we need to be effective at doing that, and they were effective at doing that, at least against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. My next takeaway was judge the decision and not the result. And I I keep coming back to this over and over again. Just because it worked out doesn't mean it was the right call. And it really goes all the way back to Sean McDermott's rookie year in overtime when they punted, needing a win to make the playoffs. They couldn't tie. That would have knocked them out of the playoffs. And they punted. And it was the wrong decision. The Bills got the ball back luckily had a miraculous catch down the field and were able to score to win the game. But that doesn't make the punt the right decision. And I don't bring that up to like trash Sean McDermott because I think he made a lot of really good decisions in this game against the Falcons. But let's go through the list of the stuff that I wrote in judge the decision, not 
the result. Marquez Stevenson shouldn't have fielded that punt at the five. Not because he fumbled and it caused um, a safety, but because it's likely a touchback. That ball lands at the five. It's going to probably roll into the end zone. And even if it doesn't, the chances that you're going to get better field position than the five are pretty low. Or, sorry, that you're going to get end up with worse field position than the five are pretty low. If it lands on the five, it's probably going to come back towards the middle of the field or go into the end zone. It's probably not going to bounce straight up in the air and just roll one or two yards closer to the goal line. So he shouldn't have fielded that. It has nothing to do with the fact that he fumbled because he got hit when he was uh, running by a helmet on the ball. That's a fumble. Like, I get that. Like, it wasn't because he fielded it at the five that he fumbled. But it was a bad decision to field it at the five. Head coach Sean McDermott should have gone for it on fourth and goal, not because they scored the touchdown, but because more often than not, it leads to more points. Because kicking two field goals is still worth less than a touchdown plus an extra point. And so kicking a field goal there, then driving down the field, kicking another field goal, still doesn't get you where you would if you scored from the one-yard line on fourth and goal. Josh Allen throwing it to the end zone against his body on a broken play to Stephon Diggs is why he's special. Most of the time he makes that throw, but this time it was tipped and picked off. And Mark Sanchez kind of, like, you know, trashed him for it. That's because Mark Sanchez sucks and can't do that. Eight times out of ten, Allen gets that ball to his receiver, or at least past all the defenders where it's not going to be picked off. So if you love those plays where Allen's throwing against his body to the middle of the field while he's falling out of bounds... If you love it when he completes it, you have to be okay when stuff like that happens. You have to be okay with it. When you're up five after scoring a touchdown in the second half, going for two is the right decision. Whether they made it or not, it's the right decision because going up by six points still means a touchdown beats you. Going up by seven points means a touchdown and an extra point only ties you. And so that's why it's the right decision. It's not because they were able to convert it, and actually score the two-point conversion. It's because it's the right decision. When the Bills had the ball at the 19, up by seven points with 12 minutes left, I thought the field goal was the right decision. That would have made it a two-possession game, going up 10 points with 12 minutes left. Instead, they converted, converted on fourth and inches and took it all the way for the touchdown. So again, I would have, I was wrong in the grand scheme of things, but I still think going up by two scores was the right would have been the right decision, especially at the 12, right? If you're going for it on fourth and goal at the one, and you're pinning their defense right up against the end zone, you're taking away half their playbook, you're really limiting what they can do on offense, and you're increasing the likelihood of getting a safety, I think going for it on fourth and inches at the goal line is a way easier decision than going for it on fourth and inches at the, what was it, the 19-yard the line. Because then their whole playbook is open, they can do whatever they want, and earlier in the game they had done that. They had found that um, long 61-yard pass uh, to their tight end there. But So I, I just I thought that the right decision was going for the field goal. Obviously, they did something else. They were aggressive. I'll actually use that term here. I don't think going for it on fourth and inches at the goal line is aggressive. Going for it on fourth and inches at the 19 is a little bit more aggressive when you can take a two-possession lead. So I don't want to belabor that point. I just wanted to make sure that people understood that you should criticize a decision or love a decision 
not necessarily the result of that decision. My next takeaway was that Mitch Morse needs some love. I thought he had a really, really nice game. There was a couple times where um, after making sure that the interior was set, he popped out and was able to block a blitzing cornerback or a blitzing defensive back. And it just really, really showed how he has an awareness of the entire blocking scheme. You know, he's been next to five different guards this year. He's played virtually every snap. Everything around him has been, you know, spun out, has been changed up, has been replaced, and he's still been consistent this year. Um, But heading into the season, I thought it might be his last in Buffalo, but the way he's played this year and the way he's led that offensive line this year, I think they'd be silly to move on from Mitch Morse at the end of this year. And to make those defensive back pickups even better, he did it on both sides of the line. He did one to the left and one to the right at least. And so he, it just shows his field awareness. And I wouldn't want any other guy in front of Josh Allen right now. Another Harrison Phillips appreciation post. I said this right after the game. Um, and, of course, Sean McDermott's talked about it both Sunday after the game and Monday at his press availability. But we asked it on December 23rd. Is it time to talk about an extension for Harrison Phillips? And now I think other folks are starting to catch up to that. He's become kind of the face of the defense, or at least the defensive line, over the last few days. He's really been good now that he's back fully healthy from his ACL tear. He's kind of coming into his own. And um, I had a sack and a fumble recovery um, on different plays against Matt Ryan on Sunday. The defense is really going to like the tape of this game as well. We keep saying it over and over again, how the defense is playing well, the defense is playing well, and they just keep kind of flying under the radar. They're a little bit unheralded. Um, No Pro Bowl players on that side of the ball. They play really well every week, though. Uh, Atlanta was 1 of 7 on 3rd down and 0 of 1 on 4th down. Buffalo finished with 5 sacks. That means in the last two weeks combined, they've only allowed two 3rd down conversions. That's insane. I think uh, it was 1 of 10 last week, so that's 2 of 17 over the last two weeks for third down conversions. The Bills had a 12-minute edge in time of possession. They still let that big uh, Kyle Pitts catch and run happen, uh, 61 yards, but they stepped up on a day the offense had four turnovers, and Sean McDermott was pumped after that third interception by Josh Allen when the Bills shut down the Falcons, and they made that inexplicable decision to punt from the Buffalo 32-yard line. They took a delay of game penalty to go back to the 37. It just was so stupid of a decision, but that's neither here nor there. The defense forcing the three and out was the big deal. Hope is a dangerous thing, and I quoted Shawshank Redemption in my takeaways. Because the Bills let the Falcons stick around longer than I think most of us wanted and certainly longer than the Bills wanted, I got a a text message at halftime saying, oh my God, I can't believe we're going to lose to the Falcons. And I texted back, I'm like, we're going to win by 13 points. I didn't think Sean McDermott would go for two, but he did, which was the right decision as we already talked about. So I thought the Bills were going to win by 13 points. They were going to outscore the Falcons by two touchdowns in the second half, and that's exactly what happened. But still, giving that team hope meant if you know one or two or three more things go wrong in that second half, the Bills are going to you know, be in trouble. Like, you don't want to keep a team like that around. Then they start playing harder as the game goes on because they think they have a shot to pull off, you know, a season 
season-defining win. Even if it would have kept them out, or they still wouldn't have made the playoffs, the Falcons had a season-defining win. But with Josh Allen all over the place going into halftime with a lead, the Falcons were probably flying high. No pun intended. You can't let the team like that think they can win. You have to put teams down and make them feel defeated. But the Bills had turnovers. They had you know, just bad plays all over the place in the first half that let the Falcons stick around. The Falcons even had hope when Matt Ryan scored a touchdown. Ultimately, it was overturned, and they were pushed back 15 yards because of that Matt Ryan taunting penalty. But even then, they were it was going to be a one-score game in the fourth quarter. And finally, my last takeaway was no punts again and how awesome it was to see the Bills' defense and the Bills' offense really just win all over the field. The Falcons punted from Buffalo's 32-yard line, gaining 12 yards after a touchback. That's a fail. The Bills didn't punt at all for the second consecutive week. It's really great for Brian Dable, Sean McDermott, and his decision-making, and the Bills' offense. I don't remember a scenario where the Bills were even stopped on third down and it wasn't in field goal range. That's the second consecutive week that the Bills just drove down the field and drove down the field and drove down the field. And like I said before, even if they were stopped on the 19-yard line on third down, which they were, it was fourth and inches, you can kick a field goal there. They weren't stopped in their own territory on third down. So I just, it was really nice from the offense. Okay, that's enough of me talking about what I want to talk about. Now let's get to your questions. Don't go anywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, over to Twitter. Jack Nealon asks us, A balanced team doesn't mean passing for 250 and running for 100 every game but passing when we need to pass and running when we need to run. Sunday, the situation called for running, and it worked when it needed to. This is better than early games and for going deep in the playoffs, right? Question mark? Well, Jack, that's a really optimistic take because Tim Graham over the athletic wrote pretty much the opposite, saying it doesn't bode well for the Bills because they aren't going to be able to win like this against better teams. And I'm kind of in the middle. I... It's nice to know that the Bills can run when they need to, but against better fronts, I don't think the Bills are going to be able to do that to, you know, opposing defenses on the regular. So if Josh Allen has a game where he's off like that, I don't know if the Bills are going to be able to win in the playoffs. They're going to need a superhuman effort by the defense, or they're going to need a superhuman effort by the offensive line to get, you know, 
a ton of rushing yards. When Allen is impatient like that, when Allen is chucking it down the field instead of taking what the defense gives him, the Bills are a worse team. And so if they're running effectively like that and Josh Allen's hitting the underneath stuff and they're chunking yards over and over again, I'll be a lot happier. Um, but when he's throwing that ball down the field to Stefan Diggs, um, you know, the, the backyard route where Diggs is just running around the end zone trying to get beat, uh, just trying to get open enough for Allen to find him, or even the throw against the body that was picked off, um, it, it just it doesn't seem like Allen was himself on Sunday, and it, that's that's going to be a problem for the Bills to win in the playoffs if it's like that. Maybe they could win one game like that. I just don't think it's going to be, you know, multiple multiple games, and and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a run, and we thought Josh Allen was getting in a zone. He had really good game against the New England Patriots uh, a week ago and then came in and kind of had the stinker against the Falcons. So as long as he doesn't have those stinkers, as long as he's able to, you know, get up for the big games, I think we're going to be okay. So, yeah, it's a good thing that they should, that they can run. I just, we need them to do it against a better defensive front, and I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. Thanks for your question over on Twitter, at Q and a We've got one more question for today's episode coming from our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. Hello, this is Derek Fauci. I'm from Newton, Kansas. I'm a big-time Buffalo Bills fan. And my question is, should we keep Cole Beasley in the starting lineup or should we keep Isaiah McKenzie? I think we should keep Isaiah McKenzie because um, the numbers that he put up against the Patriots. All right, thank you. Bye. Thanks for your question and for being a Bills fan in Kansas, in Chiefs country. Um, I I think that a timeshare is probably the better option. Uh, Cole Beasley is very good at finding holes in the zone, um, especially when, like, earlier in the season – we saw him really have some really exploding games when the Bills needed a guy to step up. He was able to find those underneath passes. And when Josh Allen is playing a team that plays zone or <clears throat> or playing a team where he's going to need a heady veteran to be in the right spot at the right time, I think Beasley is that guy. When you see McKenzie coming in, he's playing against man defenses and running away from the defender. He's running all those crossing routes. And so he can provide a different element for the Bills. And I think it would be great to change it up in the playoffs and use both of them, even if they use both of them at the same time, um, to keep defenses honest. Like, well, if you play zone, we're going to have Cole Beasley open. And if you play man, McKenzie's going to be running away from your slot defender. So, you know, putting both of them on the field even in some, you know, two or three or four receiver sets um, I think is going to be helpful for the Bills in, in the postseason to mix it up beyond that. I don't think it's like, oh, well, Isaiah McKenzie should get 95% of the snaps or you know 86% of the snaps or whatever Cole Beasley might be getting, and then Beasley's on the bench. I, I, and I don't think that the Bills are going to operate that way. Uh, they didn't when John Brown had clearly lost the step. Um, it's taken them an Emmanuel Sanders injury to do it with Gabe Davis and Emmanuel Sanders this year and so I just don't see that as the Bills MO to to go in and replace Cole Beasley with Isaiah McKenzie based on one game I think you're going to see a mix of them and he'll certainly eat into 
Cole Beasley snaps a little bit, um, and I want to see him on the field too, but I don't see him replacing Cole Beasley right now. Now, in 2022, in the regular season, uh, well, first of all, McKenzie's free agent. Um, I think the Bills might move on from Cole Beasley, and seeing them go after, say, a slot guy that can do both things would be very interesting to me, whether it's through the draft or free agency. Um, but I think for this year's playoffs, you're more likely to see Beasley starting and McKenzie coming in, either eating into some of his snaps or both of them on the field at the same time to do different things. They just have a different skill set. And um, so I think that's how the Bills are going to approach it with Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator. All right, thanks for your question. Over at our voicemail line, 716-508-0405. Keep it locked on Buffalo Rumblings all week. We'll have a whole bunch of playoff scenario options on there because the Bills can end up playing the Steelers, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Colts, the Patriots. Um, Heck, they could even end up playing the Chiefs, the Titans, or the Cincinnati Bengals this week as well. So there's just so many different options for the Buffalo Bills in the playoff race. So keep it tuned to buffalorumblings.com for all of those uh, breakdowns. We'll have our weekly rooting interests piece. We'll have lots of different looks at what could happen in week 18 and beyond so make sure you head over there um like and subscribe uh leave a review for our podcast feed if you like it tell a friend about it that would be even better um lots of ways to spread your love for our show for this show in particular you can always call in uh on our voicemail line 716-508-0405 you can tweet us using rumblings q and a that's what the word and spelled out in the middle send us emails buffalo rumblings at sbnation.com you can send us facebook and instagram messages to the official buffalo rumblings account as well and those messages will get to me make your voice heard it's so much more interesting when we get interesting questions on here all right that's it for this week go bills